This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to Bet and Breakfast, a podcast from BetSided. Hey, does anybody want coffee? Who wants coffee? It's sports betting for everyone. I'm here to tell you today that the New York Yankees season is done. Stick a fork in them, it's over. Lamar Jackson, I can't believe he's that low on the list that he's my bet for sure at this point in the season. Early leans, best bets, props, parlays. If you can bet it, we've got it. I'm taking the over on this. If you look at the last five games, this is a game waiting for points to be scored. Tom Brady, I think everyone's heard of him. If Brady puts up the numbers, they have the 10th easiest schedule the rest of the way. Get in, get out, and you're ready to go. I think they're going to have to give him the award if Dallas ends up locking up this division and possibly even that number one seed. And here are your hosts, Ben Heisler, Ian McMillan, Peter Dewey, Donovan Smoot, and Reed Wallet. What comes before anything? What have we always said is the most important thing? Breakfast family. I thought you meant the things you need. Bed and breakfast on a Monday morning, final day in the month of February, and you all know what that means. We are even closer to the start of March Madness. What's good, everybody? Ben Heisler, Reed Wallach, Peter Dewey, the Monday bedsided crew is here. Plenty to go over on the show today. Uh, we got a deadline day in Major League Baseball. Hopefully, to the two sides get together and get a deal done. We will also be getting into a massive upset weekend over in college basketball and try and take a determination as to whether or not any of those losses can open up some value ahead of the tournament. Uh, underdogs, clearly with the dog barking in the background at 6 a.m. in the morning central time, uh, that can only go well for me at home. And then, of course, best bets for today as well, plus a sneak peek at our conversation with longtime Hollywood legend Michael Chiklis ahead of HBO's Winning Time, which debuts on Sunday. But, guys, we have to start with some bets over the weekend. I. Peter was telling us before we got started, and I, and I hate to do this to you, Peter, but it's just, it's good content, and we have to discuss that this is a, this is a forum for all of us. I, I can't imagine being on Golden State last night and then watching what Dallas did to them. That has to be rough. Like, can, can you take me through what happened to you last night, just watching that and seeing everything unfold? Because that, that's a horrible beat. Yeah, dude, it, it was a it was a weird game just in general. Like I took the Warriors before Clay got ruled out, which kind of mad at myself about, but I thought he was gonna play, and then they ruled him out very uh very close to the start of the game. But had them minus three and a half, and they're up 21 in the second half. They opened the second half on like an 8-0 run. So I was like, okay, we're we're in a good spot here. And then they literally couldn't buy a bucket the first nine minutes of the fourth quarter. Dallas went on a 28 to 3 run. And they just they blew the game. Like I've never seen them. Like I saw some people um, on Twitter, and I had a couple people text me saying, "Like, what is Steve Kerr doing? Like, he has Damian Lee in in crunch time. Like, I think Steve Kerr was just like, I need somebody who can like find the basket. Like, Steph was like one for six in the fourth quarter. It was just the like everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. And like credit to the Mavs for sticking with it down twenty. And like Luka Doncic played great last night, but. Man, dude, like it just it went from like, okay, this is like an easy cover to okay, hopefully they can pull away at the end to are they can they just force overtime? Like we it was it was it we got out of hand so fast. It was wild. Yeah. Um can Luca win MVP? Like I don't think he will, but like people talk about DeMar DeRozan winning MVP. I the Mavs turnaround has been like more than stellar in my opinion they're firmly in the mix in the west 36 and 25 now 
don't know. Just everyone's like DeMar DeRozan's like the flavor of the week this week. I don't know if I necessarily – I think Luka I, – I don't think either of them are catching Jokic or Embiid, but I think Luka uh, is a little bit closer than I think people are, uh, I guess, estimating. I think I think the thing that hurts Luka and also helps Luka is the fact that he missed all those games at the beginning of the year. Like we've talked about it before on BetSide about how – Basically, 70 games is kind of the threshold to win MVP. Like, it's very rare to see anyone win the MVP without playing about 75 to 80% of their team's games. And so that makes me a little bit nervous. But they've also played very well since he came back into the lineup. Um, I got to say one thing I will say about the Mavs, because I did not think – I still am not completely sold on Jason Kidd, but they are playing unbelievable defensively this year. I think they're top five in the NBA in defensive rating. They are. And I mean that—that's really been the difference this year. Is they don't have like now that they traded Porzingis too, they really don't have any more offensive talent. Like Tim Hardaway Jr. has been out for now almost a month with that broken foot, um, and who knows if he's going to come back this year. Like they really don't have that great of a team out offensively outside of Brunson and Doncic, and they've just—they—they they did what they did last night. Like they just shut down teams at certain points of the game, and Luca's so good that it gets them wins. So. I don't hate him as like a long shot. I just think Embiid and Jokic have been so dominant. It would take both of them getting hurt probably for him to win the award. Yeah, I mean, really quite. Luca's averaging almost a triple double. Yeah, again, I think it's going to be Embiid or Jokic, but I just think I I haven't even looked at the odds recently. But I know DeRozan has odds like slashed in half since the All Star break. I just think Luca might be a little bit closer than people are leading on. I guess so. Glad you're out of DeRozan too, because after the Thursday night game against the Hawks, where he ended up tying that Will Chamberlain record for, for 35 points in, I think, seven or eight consecutive games, he went from, and I remember Winbet had it at 25 to one for DeRozan MVP, brought it down to 10 to one, and now he's sitting at eight to one over at Winbet. Conversely, Doncic, and I, and I tweeted this out last night, over his last 17 games, you mentioned he's averaging close to a triple double. points per game, 10.1 rebounds per game, nine assists per game, and and right now sitting at nine to one, or excuse me, 20 to one to win MVP. Like, it's certainly in play. And given the type of turnaround that we've seen from Dallas, like, you're right, Peter, like, from an offensive perspective, like, they're okay. You know, it's Dallas right now is, let's see, I'm trying to find their their number. they're, They're 16th in the league in offensive rating defensive rating their top five only golden state boston cleveland and phoenix are ahead of them in defensive rating um they're finding like really unique ways to be able to pull off a lot of these wins and it's been like for a team that you normally would think like okay if they're very defensive oriented and they just sort of slow things down like from a pace perspective they're one of the slowest teams in the league mm-hmm. but they're they're fun like they're they're last in the nba in pace but they're efficient and Doncic makes all of this happen. So you can play that style of basketball, but you need the perfect guy leading it. Um, and the trade for Spencer Dinwiddie, by the way, like I never thought that that would be like one of the key con- contributions at the trade deadline. He's been awesome for them. Like Reed, you're, you're the Brooklyn Nets guy. Like we're seeing like Brooklyn Nets, Spencer Dinwiddie right now in Dallas. And it's really fun. Yeah. They must've really hated him in Washington. Oh my like, God. Yeah. I mean, if we're just comparing, like, if I were to be given a free bet, would I rather take DeRozan 8-1 to one or Luka 21? I take Luka 10 times out of 10. I would rather take Luka 20-1. I just think that 
those two seem like they're – I guess Giannis is in there. That's probably like your top five likely candidates. Jokic, Embiid, Giannis, DeRozan, right. Luka. I'd rather take a stab at Luka than DeRozan at this point. I just say – like everyone's talking about like the Bulls' success, and like I get it. They are 39-22. I'm not talking bad about DeRozan. It's amazing, but – Dallas in a much more crowded conference. They're 36 and 25. So only a few games behind Chicago's pace with less talent around Luca. And also, I feel like this year, especially this is just I believe Luca, he had he was part of that COVID outbreak with the Mavericks that cost him a handful of games. He was hurt also at the ankle. So I'm just saying that I, I think the 70 game threshold, he's not that far off of it anyway. Like is I feel like this year may be a little bit pulled back. I feel like last year too would have been a little amended just due to circumstances. I don't think he's going to win, but I think it's an interesting conversation. Yeah, I, I think, and again, I know that, Peter, you wrote about Donch, or not Doncic, but Jokic uh, mm-hmm. as your MVP candidate a couple weeks back and, and stated, like, purely based on when he's on the floor, it, there's nobody that's a bigger difference maker for their team on the floor versus off of it. So, again, that seems to continue to be the case, but there are some intriguing names that we can watch out for, especially if Dallas continues this run and Doncic continues this type of run. The Purely from a value standpoint, like those numbers are going to climb substantially. Um, I want to transition really quickly into baseball because just there, there's not really much of a betting market at this point because we still haven't really had free agency and we're still waiting for things to get going. But this is a really important day. Um, multiple reports have confirmed that the owners – have set today, February 28th, as a deadline for getting a deal done. And for anybody that's been following along with a lot of the different discussions, they've had now seven consecutive days uh, of the Players Association meeting with ownership. And they've said they've made some progress, but, I mean, that's coming from the owner side. The Players Association is basically saying, like, yeah, this really isn't going anywhere. So I'm fairly skeptical, and I wrote about this yesterday over at BetSided. Like, I set odds if there's going to be a 162-game season. I, I put yes at plus 300 and no at minus 450. And I'm wondering, like, I, I know you guys follow baseball. I know it's not, like, either of your guys' favorite sports. You're both big basketball guys. But do you feel like there's any sort of – any sort of want like do you feel like fans are going to come back from this and say like we really missed out here or if the season starts by memorial day when the summer and the weather's starting to, to heat up and more fans are there and you have a, a more condensed regular season schedule there's also a part of me that might think to myself maybe this could be good long term for baseball i was curious to hear like whether or not you guys feel the same way like would baseball actually benefit from a shortened season I don't think so at all. I think baseball is missing a huge opportunity here. And the way I look at it is you just look at the schedule of the sports calendar in and of itself. And like the dog days of the NBA season are end of March, like middle of March, early April, like the play in tournament has helped fix that. But most of the time you're going to have six or seven of the playoff teams in each conference are pretty much set in stone. You're going to get the tanking teams aren't going to want to play anybody every night. And then you have that that week of you get the playing games and then the, the playoffs actually start. If you can get baseball started there, that's when you can bring people in where I think they're going to lose a lot of casual fans if they don't start the season on time. Like people have already kind of checked out on baseball. You lost out on the chance to have free agency be like a big deal. Like people are going to check out of, okay, baseball's back on whenever. Like the NBA playoffs are on, the conference finals are on. 
And then like you have the NFL draft coming up now and you have, you're going to eventually have NBA free agency. Like I think the turnaround, we forget how quickly it's NBA finals, like two weeks and then free agency that dominates everything like baseball. And I think they did the same thing when they, in the 2020 season with the pandemic, when they dragged their feet, dragged their feet, dragged their feet. And by the time they came back, the NBA playoffs came back. Like they've put themselves in a position where it's already a sport that we I know people say baseball is a dying sport. Like people aren't watching as much anymore. They don't have the attention span for it. If you aren't going to capture those people at the same time every year, and you're just kind of going to be like, oh, we're going to play 130 games or whatever it is this year. And we're going to move the season back. And we're just going to do it whenever. Like it, it just feels like baseball constantly misses out on opportunities. And this entire labor argument, like regardless of what side you stand on, it's just, it's very hard for like a common fan, a casual fan to get behind it. Like, I, I don't know how you can just like, you hear the argument like people like oh it's millionaires and billionaires arguing like after a while it's like how much are you going to lose the people who just want to go and watch a baseball game like they're just not going to care anymore so i think if they don't get a deal done today it's a big blow to them just from a like you lose the casual fan perspective yeah i well said i agree i i don't think that there's going to be an agreement i my roommate, he's a big, big uh, baseball fan, like diehard Mets fan. I'm a Mets fan too, but I'm less like, you know, ride or die with them. And I said from the beginning, this seems like it's heading towards they'll lose 20, 30 games or however many games, like a, a small part of the season. And then they'll come to an agreement and paint themselves as heroes. Like, look, we finally got it done. Like we are, you know, we did it. Like, no, this is like a right. bad it's it's ter- no lockouts ever good for the league like peter said it's millionaires and billionaires arguing like there's no one no one benefits from this as much as like the owners think they're saving money and whatever but like the long-standing effects of this all i hear about is baseball wanting to get new viewers and stuff and they want to appeal to like wider audiences but like doing a lockout and making a really messy labor negotiation that's like the least appealing thing ever <laughs> that's so un- sure. no one is interested in that and all these casuals just aren't going to care. Like I'm personally able to believe with baseball that like you either like it or you don't like some of these rule changes that they're trying to put in, like the speed of the game and stuff. Like that's not baseball anymore. Baseball is boring. Like that it's, it's slow and it's like not necessarily the most entertaining product compared to like football, but like, into it, you know, like you have a really passionate, like smaller group and like, that's cool. Like what's wrong with that? Like, I've like grown to really like baseball because I do, I have like, like the slow methodical, like play out of a game. Like that's just like, that's baseball. Like the runner on second rule. I hate it. I think it's so stupid. Like, I, I can't stand it. Like just play you're, you're very much a purist though. Like this, this, yes, I don't think this is just a baseball. That, and I'm trying to remember the like, conversation we had like earlier when you, we were mm-hmm. mentioning like a possible rule change. You're like, no, absolutely not. Yeah, like, yes, but I feel like the, you should lean into those passionate fans. Sure. You might not get the casual fans, but like, I don't know the right analogy right now because it's 7.15 in the morning on a Monday, but, like, it, why, like, piss off your, like, your, like, inherent base, like, your passionate fan base to go get people that, like, still probably won't care anyway? You, you know so, what I'm trying to say? Like, Yes. I, I, I think you're I think you're right on a couple things, and I think there's other aspects that... And I get to business, so, like, I, I'm wrong here, but, like, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, I, I feel like you have... Like, there are super passionate baseball fans that love the game the way it is. And no matter what, like the casual won't love it as much. Probably like you got to lean in, I think into your roots of like, we are a little boring and we are slow and methodical. Cause you know what? That's baseball. <laughs> like That's like, there is no time limit on a game. Like it could take eight hours. That's what makes baseball great. 
So, so to that point, I, I think there's a lot of interesting things that you both said. With regards to the aspect of, of trying to change things around, I actually think the argument is that the diehard baseball fans are still going to be there. Like, if anything, it, okay. it is more just, just be like, I'll give you an example. So when Wrigley Field made all these different massive upgrades and renovations and you know, they put in a, a big screen in, in left field and right field. There are plenty of fans that said, like, this is terrible. You're taking away the nostalgia of Wrigley Field, when in reality, they were just making it a better overall viewing experience for fans. Like, and there were people that would call in a sports talk radio station saying, like, they're taking away my Wrigley Field, and now I'm never going to go back. I'm like, that's, that's bullshit. <laughs> like, if you're, you're not going to not go back to Wrigley Field. You, you might not like it as much. You might feel like there was a certain aspect to it that you'll miss, but it, it's, you're not going away from it. Like the same, I think, can be said for for the diehard baseball fans. Even if you make some of these smaller changes or things that feel like are, are on a larger scale, like if you ended up like you're taking taking away the DH, uh, or I'm sorry, you're not taking away. Every league is now going to have the DH. There's plenty of people that love to watch pitchers hit. It's like a fun part of the game. I heard Tim Kirchin of ESPN do an interview, and he ranked his top five uh, hitting pitchers of all time. Like there's. <laughs> Plenty of people that love that aspect of it, but they're not going away from the game. So I, I do think you need to find creative ways to get the casual right. fans more informed. And if there's uh, ways that you actually go and do research and, and have it be calculated and smart, then you'll go, you're going to find some element of success. You're like one thing that major league baseball could do is, is like, allow fans to share clips and highlights the way that the NBA does. The NBA embraces it. Like the NBA takes in social media and says like, all right, I don't care if you like film this game on your phone, if you're showing a crazy Luka or like that Nikola Jokic pass from yesterday. Did you guys yeah. see that? The, the no look, just absolute bullet for a three pointer in the corner that, uh, that one of the Morris twins missed. Um, like, I don't know if it was one of the Morris twins. I don't know if he's on Denver. Monty um, Morris. It was, who was it? Monty Morris. Monty Morris was a different yeah. Morris. Um, <laughs> so he, I mean, he missed the shot, but it was an insane pass. And like, there are plenty of people that that watched it on their TV, took their phone, yeah, and and sent it out to the enemy. He's like, great, you're you're sharing our product, you're consuming it. But baseball is trying to make sure that every penny comes from MLB Vamp, like their own personal place to be able to get that information from those That's highlights. Stupid. So like. Yeah. Also stupid. It's just, yeah, and, and there, there's no other way to describe it. Right. And, and their blackout rules like are, yeah. are antiquated and bad. So like there's a lot of different things like by looking in the mirror, they could actually genuinely fix. Absolutely. Um, so I, I and I and I think to your point, Peter, you're at hundred percent right. Like a labor dispute, and even if you one day decide, hey, you know what, maybe we should only play 132 games, that that could be fine if you feel like long term that's a benefit to baseball and to its fans then so be it um but you can't do it under the guise of a labor dispute and then try to sell it as anything but that i mm -hmm. i completely agree with you there so we'll see whether or not the deadline ultimately gets done i i'm very skeptical as it sounds like you guys are as well um but hopefully they you know, greater minds come together and and i've been an advocate of the player side for a long time here they're just trying to get a fair share of the piece of the pie um, and in typical fashion, the owners do not want to give up any more um, equity than they than they want to, at least at this particular point. Um, we still got plenty to go. We still got best bets coming up. I still got a great clip that I think you guys are really going to enjoy from my conversation with Michael Chiklis, who plays Red Arbach in the upcoming HBO show, uh, Winning Time, about Magic Johnson, Jerry Buss, and the 1979 Lakers. But 
let's also talk a little bit about college basketball because this was an absolutely wild weekend. You had seven of the top teams all go down in college buckets. Uh, Reed, I'll, I'll start with you here because the odds really haven't changed over at WinBet despite a lot of these different losses. And I think that makes sense, right? Like you're not going to see a complete overreaction traditionally when it comes to these teams and their futures odds. But based on everything that we saw, you had um, Gonzaga lose to St. Mary's. Arizona got blown out by Colorado. Auburn losing to Tennessee. Purdue losing to Michigan State on a buzzer beater. Uh, Kansas going down on the road to Baylor. Kentucky losing to Arkansas. And then Texas Tech losing to TCU. Is there any sort of potential opening that you see for value on the better side? And, and which of these losses do you think actually mattered most? Um, I think my biggest takeaway is to kind of underreact, uh, to quote the great Ian McMillan, bedsided. Um, he, I didn't realize these... we're, we're giving Ian credit for, for the idea of underreaction now. I mean, that, that's yeah. fine. Like, that, is, that is his bit and that is his line. But, like, he's, I, I he's got it, man. <laughs> Um, they, all these losses came on the road. You know, these were all games. These are road games. It's tough to win road games in conference play, especially, you know, the teams outside of Colorado, those are all trending towards NCAA tournament teams. So it's not like these teams, I guess Gonzaga, they were, I believe 10 point favorites, but, uh, Arizona, I don't think is, I don't think is in, are they? They're, they're on the, they're on the bubble for sure. And this may have pushed them into the tournament. I TCU has been good to me this year. I had TCU in that game actually, but I just think if anything, I'm I'm not going to say like I'm concerned about Gonzaga because they lost one game. Like they have literally been bludgeoning teams for the past two months. Like I'm not like concerned about them. Arizona, Colorado's like the toughest place in the play to, to play in the country. If anything, I'm most impressed with Kentucky, um, nearly coming back from down double digits to win that game on the road, in, impossible environment in Fayetteville. And both their guards have been banged up. Ty Ty Washington, Severe Willer. I think Kentucky, I wrote about them at length. I have a future on them. I think that I left, even in a loss, more impressed than, you know, like, oh, they lost. Like, no, I watched that entire game and was like, whoa, they are really, really good. So Kentucky, to me, I guess from that, I'm most impressed. I'm not saying there's still value on them to bet a future, but um, I'm going to have later today, I did last week that Kempom analysis. Um, talking about who fits the bill. I'm going to expand on it with maybe some more like national championship predictor stuff, but yeah. So Kentucky, I guess my biggest takeaway that they looked good in a loss, but overall I wouldn't really overreact to anything from here. As someone who's, as someone who's holding the Kentucky ticket, I love to hear Reed say that. Cause I, I agree. I think they just, they've gotten screwed down the stretch of this year without Washington Wheeler. I know they played in that game, but they both came off the bench. Like it's just a, they're a different team when those two guys are healthy. But I think what it showed me, honestly, is that there's a lot of teams that go in the national championship this year. Like, there's a lot of really good teams, and I don't think there's anybody who's, like, head and shoulders above everyone. Like, Gonzaga, like Reed said, has been killing people, but they've also been playing in the WCC. So you don't play a tournament team every night. Like, St. Mary's, San Francisco are probably the two teams, I'd assume, have a real shot to get out of um, out of the WCC into the NCAA tournament along with Gonzaga. And then – you know, I think the SEC is we, – we've talked about this before on Best Bets and stuff. Like, it's going to be crazy, the SEC tournament. There's like four or five teams in the SEC that – maybe even more that could win um, that tournament. So, I think it's going to shake up a little bit of the seeding in um, the NCAA tournament depending upon how these conference tournaments go. But at the same time, I just think you can't 
overreact to it this late in the season, especially just with how you have to look at the whole sample size. Like if you put too much stock into one loss late in the season, it's the same way like we wouldn't want the uh, the selection committee to put too much stock into one loss late in the season. So um, it just for me, I think it's just it's wide open this year in college basketball. Like anybody can kind of win on any night, which is going to make this tournament really, really fun. And when we were doing our video last Tuesday uh, over on YouTube, our best bets and, and dark horses for the final four, uh, you know, there's plenty of, of college fans that are waking up this morning, like more of the casual fans that are seeing St. Mary's beat down Gonzaga and think to yourself like, oh, I, I'm going to jump on board with St. Mary's before everybody else gets it. Like, man, you are late to that party. St. Mary's has the same odds to reach the final four as Alabama, Michigan State, Ohio State and Texas over at WinBet. They're ahead of teams like Arkansas and Connecticut and LSU and Marquette and Providence, who's, who's been in the top 10 uh, throughout the you know entirety, not the entirety of the year, but for, for a good portion of the year. Like the market has moved on really good teams already. Now there, there's still some that you can jump in on, but I mean, do we, let me put it to you from this perspective. Were there any teams that won those games that maybe your opinion on them has has shifted a little bit even further. Like, Reed, I know you've been on Arkansas for a long time, and I know both of you are holding a Kentucky future, but like, did we did anything change for you regarding like a team like Colorado? Or did St. Mary's move up even further in your book? Or again, like maybe even a team like Baylor, who's been the number four team in Ken Palm this year, but maybe their their national ranking doesn't necessarily show how just how good they've been. Yeah, I uh I was going to say Baylor just because I feel like I've looked at them a little bit down this year, just so many injuries, but listen, they continue to win games. They're still in that uh, Ken Palm 2020 threshold. And maybe they're now like they entered the tournament last year. I know they were the number two overall seed, but they entered a little bit down, you know, in conference play, but Baylor still has a shot at the big 12 regular season title. They've kind of managed these injuries and they have a lot of depth. They are really, really good. So I think Baylor reminded people. I know they were favored in the game, but like they reminded people that, like, hey, we're you know still in this mix for um, maybe coming out of like a two seed line, but we're still in the mix for national title. Yeah, I I think St. Mary's is really the, one of those teams, Ben, because I think just like, like you said, like a lot of casual fans just don't don't really watch St. Mary's. So depending upon where they get seated in the tournament, like that's a team I think wins a couple games probably. They're just. They're very deep. They play very well. They have a lot of veterans on that team. So I, I like St. Mary's, and I, I think also it depends on how they play in the WCC tournament. Like if, if they can St. get Mary's Gonzaga, man. if if they can get Gonzaga again, man. No, I know, I know. I'm saying if they can beat Gonzaga again, man. Like that's gonna go. That's gonna go even further. So if you really believe in them, I think that this is probably your last possible chance to to get in on them because they have a chance to even improve their their ranking throughout the rest of the season yeah i mean if you're if you're happy going for for ton to one for a team that's really experienced and smart and, and you know a top 20 ken palm team uh, st mary's very much in play conversely baylor over at WinBet uh to win the national championship is 15 to one uh, kansas still ahead of them at 12 to one a couple other teams that are sort of right with them villanova's 20 to one but um you know, baylor based on their ranking and based on you know where they could be talent wise um, and we've seen plenty of teams make it back to the national championship game in consecutive years. Um, difficult to win, but but certainly a 15 to mm-hmm. one with that kind of talent. Uh, I, I still think that's a team that's very much in play. I, I wanted to share this with you guys. You haven't had a chance to see this yet. Um, 
I don't know if you guys were a longtime fan of uh, of the show The Shield or anything else that Michael Chiklis has done, but uh, one of the great longtime actors in Hollywood. And, and this cast uh, for Winning Time, which is going to debut on Sunday on HBO, uh, tells the story of Dr. Jerry Buss uh, buying the Lakers, sort of the influence of, of the Showtime Lakers in the 1980s. Uh, and obviously part of that was the, the great rivalry that the Lakers had with the Celtics during that time. Uh, and Michael Chiklis, longtime Boston sports fan, diehard Boston sports fan, uh, has a chance to play Red Arbach in the series. So you're, you're talking about like some big names like John C. Riley is a part of the show. Adrian Brody plays Pat Riley. Uh, Jason Siegel plays Paul Westhead. There's like a million big names in this show. Um, so, you know, I obviously talked to him about the show and you'll be able to see that full interview right here on Betsided and also on our YouTube channel coming up first thing tomorrow morning. And it'll also be a part of our podcast, but uh, this this part, and again, I, there there was a quick little technical glitch for him for about the first three four seconds. But ever, other than that, everything gets going. But I, I want to play you his answer about his thoughts on Tom Brady retiring because he kind of hinted, and he said he didn't have any information. But for those that are seeing Tom Brady MVP odds pop up still, and for everyone that's a little bit skeptical as to whether or not he's actually done, put. Put Michael Chiklis, who knows Tom Brady, in that category. Take a listen. Somebody who has gotten an opportunity to play a Boston sports icon. I, I saw your, your daughter's tweet about Tom Brady retiring to respect your privacy during this difficult time, which was great. You know, he's he's still listed as an MVP candidate at several sports books. Is, is there any chance you see him returning for one more ride one more time, even at the age of 44? You know, listen, I, I actually haven't talked to Tom. Tom has gone lights out since, since and he hasn't, you know, I, he's obviously closed the circle, the wagons to a tighter circle. And, uh, you know, um, so I haven't heard from him directly. So I have no inside baseball here, but I don't know why I have like a, maybe it's just wishful thinking, <laughs> but I, I, I don't know why I have this sort of gut weird intuition that this isn't over yet. Um, okay. And I don't know how that'll manifest itself at all. And I'm not telling you something based on any knowledge. <laughs> I don't know. Fair enough. <laughs> okay. I want to make that very, very <laughs> clear. I don't know anything, but I'm just talking about guts and I just am like, why do I feel like this isn't the way this is going to go down? I don't know. I don't know. And again, it could be wishful thinking because, you know, I, I, you know, 22 years of just joy. I named my dog after this guy. You know? <laughs> <laughs> A little weird, but, you know, it's because of joy, you know? Not not weird at all. There's 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 plenty of folks that are, are going to go with. Uh, he's, he can't be the only Tom or Brady uh, animal or son in Boston. I, I can, I don't call that. my dog, Tom, and I don't call him Brady. I call my dog, Tom Brady. <laughs> I call him TV 12. I call him the champion. <laughs> that's, that's the best. <laughs> Somebody. Oh, sorry. Yeah, that, was that, that was amusing. So we had a really fun conversation. You'll be able to watch that over on our YouTube channel tomorrow. Uh, not Tom, not Brady. Tom Brady, TV 12, <laughs> fetch. 
Might be the first time someone ever told Tom Brady to go get the ball, <laughs> to, to, to throw the ball. So some great times with uh, with Michael Chiklis again. Hopefully you guys check out that interview and also check out the show uh, this Sunday on HBO. I know that's absolutely something that I will be uh, diving into headfirst the moment that it comes out. It should be a lot of fun. You guys ready to do best bets? Let's do it. All right, sure. Peter, go ahead and, and kick things off today in the NBA. And then uh, for the first time, I think, in this show, I'm actually going to be uh, going on college basketball with Reed. Again, Let's go. Come I, on my, over. Mindset, my mindset has changed. And, <laughs> and it's a Mountain West game, too. Oh, yes. Go ahead, Love Peter. It. Yeah, um, I'm going to take the Timberwolves tonight, minus one and a half against the Cavaliers. Um, just think this is a really tough spot for the Cavs. I think the market has adjusted almost too much for Cleveland. Um, they're without Darius Garland, without Karis LeVert today, so just – Literally no ball handling for the Cavs. They don't have anybody who can kind of create their own shot. Um, as J.B. Bickerstaff said last week, he needs Evan Mobley to be more aggressive, which I 100% agree with. But there's only so much Evan Mobley can do. He's not creating offense for you. You just kind of got to get him the ball and post-ups, get him the ball and pick and roll. Um, his Timberwolves team has been really good. Um, they look completely like a playoff team, which is not what a lot of people would have expected coming into this season. They're 11th in the league in offensive rating. The Cavs are 19th. Um, that number dips a little bit when Garland's out of the lineup this season. And the big thing I think in this game that's really going to change it, the Timberwolves are third in the NBA in pace. The Cavs are 25th. So we already know Cavs are down offensively. They lost to the Pistons um, the first game out of the break without Garland. They only scored 92 points but beat the Wizards, who are atrocious um, in their last game. So this is like this is not a great spot for the Cavs. I think if the Wolves can play their style of play, Cleveland just does not have enough offense to keep up. Granted, the Cavs have a great defense, but I just I don't see you can play as great a defense as you want. But if you're going to be without your two of your best scorers, it's just going to be hard to keep up with Carl uh, Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards. So I like the Wolves as slight favorites on the road here. All right, so Minnesota getting one and a half against uh, Cleveland, or excuse me, laying one and a half against Cleveland. Yeah, the the lack of ability on, on the on the point guard side, I, I think, is going to be a problem, especially because Minnesota has been a, a more improved defensive team. I think people still kind of look at them as sort of that that bottom tier team, letting teams run right over them. But they've been tough and very physical uh, on the defensive side of the ball this year, so I like to play a lot. Uh, Reed, I go to you next. College basketball, looking in the ACC, North Carolina. Uh, laying seven and a half at home against Cuse tonight. Yeah, I'm going to lay it with North Carolina. I just think it, the spot isn't the best. I wish it, there was uh, a better situation. Uh, North Carolina off a win, short prep for Cuse's zone, and they have Duke um, on the road this weekend, Coach K's last home game, all that good stuff. Yeah, I don't – like, I will fade Syracuse against these more athletic, bigger teams in the ACC. We saw Duke just go to the Carrier Dome over the weekend and bludgeon Syracuse – Hughes is terrible on the defensive glass. Armando Baycott's probably going to have a 20-20 tonight. And ultimately, UNC just has the firepower to blow teams out. They've beaten teams outside of Kempom's top 75 in ACC play, and there's quite a bit of them this year, by 14 points, by more than 14 points in conference play. So we see UNC really beat up on the bad teams, lose to the better teams in conference play like Duke. So this sets up nicely there. I make this closer to like 9 half, ten. 10. UNC's amazing at home. Cuse is terrible on the road, bottom 25 in a way rating. So I could see uh, UNC blowing this game out. Q's could hit a few threes, but they're not going to be able to hold UNC off the glass. I think the uh, heels blow them out of here. 
All right, seven and a half for North Carolina. You said it had it closer to maybe nine and a half or ten, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, good opportunity there. I think the line stayed fairly consistent from where they opened last night as well. Um, one line that actually has moved since I, I got on it last night was San Diego State and Wyoming. Um, yes, uh, the 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 wash dad of, of the the three of us is going to stay up to try and watch this game tonight. Uh, this is a big game for Wyoming. Uh, and so my initial thought was to take them and sort of go down that narrative with them. Uh, it's a nationally televised game on CBS Sports Network. Uh, but then you just kind of look at the matchup and see how it actually really benefits San Diego State. And the line has actually moved from minus one to minus one and a half. Uh, wouldn't surprise me if more sharp money ends up coming in on them. And I think the public's going to be all over Wyoming in this game. So it's a good opportunity to fade them here. San Diego State, number one team in all of Ken Palm and adjusted defensive efficiency. They've given up 70 points, you guys, only twice this season, and that was on the road against two really good teams at Michigan and at Utah State. I mean, when I say really good teams, I mean relative to, to their schedule. Um, to me, it also feels like a bit of a trap game too, right? Because Wyoming, better in the standings, better record overall. Again, I think it feels like you're trying to lead the public into taking Wyoming as a home dog here. Uh, and it feels like the ideal time to jump on the other side. Uh, I like the discount that I got at WinBet at minus one. So it's over at minus one and a half now. And also think about the matchup too. It When you have a team that is so good defensively, um, sometimes if you have a, a team on the opposite side that likes to be really fast and pace and go up and down the court, it doesn't allow that top tier defense to get set. And more often than not, they can better dictate pace. With Wyoming, they're a really efficient offensive team. They're top 31, but they're also in the 300s in average possession lengths. They're 267th um, in pace. So that you're just giving a really good defense a better opportunity to get set. And if anything, that's going to play right into San Diego State's strength. So, of course, Wyoming, if they make their shots, you know it's going to be a difficult challenge for San Diego State. They're not a good free throw shooting team. You're having a, a one-point game on the road. Um, they're, they're not a particularly good offensive team as well, but Wyoming hasn't been great on the defensive side of the ball. So I, I just like this matchup for them, particularly because of the fact that Wyoming isn't going to play fast, and you're just going to allow San Diego State to get set and be ready to go. So that's my best bet for tonight. Appreciate you guys as, as well. And thanks to all of you guys for checking us out. Slightly longer version of Bet and Breakfast today. So maybe you got in a second cup of coffee uh, and a bagel for today as well. So for my guys, Peter and Reed, I am Ben. We will talk to you again on Thursday with a brand new edition. Also, make sure you guys, if you're watching us on YouTube, go ahead and give us the, thumb, the uh, thumbs up button. Subscribe. We'll have a brand new Best Bets video coming out tomorrow in the world of college basketball as well. Until then, we'll talk to you guys later. So long. Thank you.